I'm really working on like a, an evergreen course that I can just be running because I just think there's this huge culture within entrepreneur spheres. And it's like this grind culture, this, this, this hustle culture, this, um, launch all the time culture. And I'm just like, I am tired. Like, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to be launching every month. Like that just doesn't work for me. And because it doesn't work for me, that doesn't work for my business. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fent Show. You just listened to a glimpse of my chat with Hannah from Workspace. I'm your host, Diana Lopez, and I truly hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. And now let's start the episode. Hello, Hannah. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very good. Thank you for asking. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So before we go deep into your journey as a business owner, tell us a little bit about you and what your business is. Sure. So I am 24 years old. I am a second generation Cuban American, a third generation entrepreneur, and also the founder and CEO. I like to say creative executive operator of um, <laughs> Woke Space Marketing, W-O-C, Woke. And it is a business that I describe it as having like a business mind and an activist heart. Really, the goal is to help more women of color get into business um, to start and scale successful and profitable businesses. Yes. And I love it. And why is your business focused on woke, which is women of color? Why, why did you choose that specific niche per se? It just, it's something that speaks to my heart and me personally, um, in my own experience, I've just had several experiences working for other people where I didn't feel like all the parts of me, I, I could bring all the parts of me to work. But I think that those are often the things that are most intriguing and the parts that need to be seen and heard by other folks so that they can also feel affirmed. And so I really wanted to create this space, hence woke space, where you really could be all of those parts of yourself and a business owner and that those, those things were actually your strengths of being a business owner. I love that. And how, for those that don't know you, uh, what offerings do you have in your business? Sure. So mainly I do um, marketing coaching. I really love working one-on-one -on -one with folks. Um, I'm currently building out offers to be able to do like group coaching programs and all of that. Right now it's mainly one-on-one, -on -one, but I help people really dig into their messaging. I um, like to take a more feminine approach on marketing and business. I think that often a lot of the stuff out there is very masculine. It's very hard selling. It's very often kind of sleazy, kind of slimy. We don't really like sales for that <laughs> reason, but I really love like a community-based approach. Um, so storytelling and community building and being able to build your business with um, tools that feel, that feel good. I love that. And I love that your business has a mission behind it, that it's a purpose-driven business. And I salute you for it. Now, I want to chat a little bit more about your TEDx talk that you just did. And, um, and I know pe people can still watch it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, they can. Yay. 
And can you share why you decided to give one and for anybody, two questions, and for anybody that wants to become a TEDx speaker, what would you say to them? Sure. So I have wanted to give a TED Talk for a very long time. I think though the actual idea and like notion that I could do it one day was really born in 2015. I was in college and I wanted to host a TEDx talk of my own. And I have always had big dreams. I've always had big notions of like, I can accomplish anything, um, <laughs> really go getter and just kind of, you're you doing know, it. Yeah. I'm doing the thing. Yeah. So, um, in college, that's what I wanted to do. It turned out though, I applied to host it and we were denied, but like on a small, it was like a minor thing. Um, that could have been fixed and we could have reapplied. But in the application process, I realized that my college really didn't have the infrastructure to host the, the conference I wanted to host. So I ended up putting that dream away, but it was still like, okay, but I'm still no, now having gone so far into like the TED culture that I want to give a TED talk one day. So this has been, you know, like five years in the making of me just thinking about it and wondering about it. And then one day it was just kind of like, I saw someone else that I was working with at the time do it. And she was younger than I was. She was in college. And I was like, you know what? Like if she can do it, I can do it too. So I just pulled up my laptop and opened up, you know, the TED website or whatever. And was like, where are all the TED conferences happening near me? And I just went through all the universities in the area and was like, is there a TED conference happening here? And I found an application and I just dropped my application and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Easy, so, easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, a lot of people are very intimidated by the name of TED, which I think it is a very um, prestigious um, title to have. And I'm very honored to hold that title. And I, I take it very seriously, but I also think there's... Um, Maybe it's just like a mindset block that people are like, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, it was as easy as putting in an application online. Like, <laughs> and like that's not to say it wasn't a good application, right? And I'm happy to help anyone that wants to make a stronger application. Like, please do reach out to me because I've been telling everyone that I tell about this, like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And I'm like, you can. You really, really can. Yeah. So that's what I would say. It's just like, it's possible for you. Like, absolutely. It's well within reach because I think everyone has a story that's worth telling. And that's what TED is about is ideas worth sharing. So how do you just take your story, make it an idea and have something to say that maybe hasn't been told the way that it's been told before. And that's, that's really, I think the winning equation there with any kind of TED talk. Yes. And I love that you said, um, telling your story and everybody's story is unique. Mm -hmm. So that that's also very important. And I think it's also great that you, you mentioned that you saw somebody that, you know, already did it. And that's why rep representation matters. Yes. You, know, you see somebody and, and also like if more so if you know them, you know, you feel it even closer. So mm -hmm. I think that's very, very important. And yes, we, we want them to see you. So I'm going to add the link on the show notes for anybody that wants to see Hannah kicking it. <laughs> so um, going back to your journey as a business owner, tell us a little bit more about like your last day at your nine to five and how did that feel? 
oh my gosh. (laughs) I just remember like being very nervous almost. So the way that it all went down was... Yes, yes, um, tell us. (laughs) (laughs) So like a bit of the chisme, yeah? (laughs) So in December of 2019, I actually was prompted to leave my job and I didn't yet know I was going to start a business. I'd been unhappy there for well over a year and applying and... I decided to leave my job actually because of the passing of my abuelo. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, he motivated me to really, really take a look at like where I was because my abuela had passed when I was like 14 and then my abuelo passed last year. And that really felt like kind of like the end of an era. Like my abuelo had, and my abuela, and my abuela had brought our family over from Cuba And that was so much of the story of like hard work and, you know, be educated and love everybody and have family as a value. Like all those things I learned as a kid just kind of felt like it was this end of an era of like, okay, now you learned everything you can learn from him. And he's gone now in one sense, like he's always with me in another, but it's not really about learning anything new now. And so applying it to my life, it was like, I really applied it in that moment and said, he would not want me working here. Like if he knew the true facts of what I was experiencing and how I felt at this job, this is not the sacrifice. Like my, my family didn't make a sacrifice for me to work somewhere and be so unhappy doing it. And the day I decided to quit, it was funny. It was like, I had this thought where I was just like, that's it. And like, for no particular reason, I just was like, it all just kind of snowballed as I was evaluating. And then my boss started talking to me about someone who was going to become a partner that was very much unaligned with my values. And I was like, yeah, this place is not it. Like It was just the timing of it all was just like this message of like, no, you know, you need to go. And so I drove home that night, basically writing my resignation letter in my head. And I told myself I had to write a letter because otherwise I might chicken out. And so (laughs) I wrote it. And the next day I just kind of basically just slid the letter over and was like, I'm quitting. And like, really, there's nothing you can do. Like we've been talking about what you can do for the past year. So this is not really up for conversation. And then actually after that, we worked from home over, you know, kind of the holiday season. So my last day, I had not seen anyone from work for two weeks And so it was like, I just came back to leave. So it was really, (laughs) that's why I felt nervous. It was like, I wonder if they've kind of been like stewing for two weeks or something. (laughs) But in the end, it was like, I just kept having this thought over and over. Like, I don't have anything to lose right now. Like, I'm going to feel so weightless at the end of this day. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Like, it's really going to be over. Can you believe it? There was clarity in it, but, and and don't get me wrong. I felt terrified, but it was just like, I know I need to do this. Wow. And how did you manage that in a financial way? Did you have savings? And then we'll go into when did you start your business? Yeah. You know, I, I really didn't have savings. It was a completely irresponsible decision, but necessary. (laughs) So it was that much more terrifying because it was like, I really don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure it out because I figured everything else out in my life. That's the attitude. 
Yeah. So I left and I started freelancing in the meantime, which don't get me wrong. Like there's not a whole lot of money in that. And it's a hustle. Like, (laughs) but that's what made me realize, like, I, I should just turn this into a business. Like I should actually just do this full time and make this my career. And this is, you know, it's like, this is not an in-between sort of thing for me. It doesn't have to be. So I started my business officially on February 28th of this year. And, um, in the meantime, to be honest with you, I got by by support with my family. And so I'm really fortunate that I had their support in the meantime, in that interim to get me to where I needed to go. Oh my God. That sounds like a lot of courage. When you said I have nothing to lose, but then you also didn't have a plan, you know? Yeah. I I don't know. It sounds really contradictory. And I think about it logically and I'm like, what were you thinking? But but that is, yeah, it was just like, but losing this isn't losing something like this. I'm not losing anything. When I lose this job, I lose the weight of this job. That's what I kept telling myself. I was like repeating it almost as like a mantra or like an affirmation on the way to work that day. And on the way home, just like, I have nothing to lose except the weight of this job. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. It's the weight that you had was too heavy, right? Too heavy. And then you said, I'm going to figure this out no matter what, because I know I can. And you believed in yourself. And I think that is very, very important. And for people to hear, you know, that it's, it's possible. You just need to believe in yourself. You'll figure Absolutely. It out. Absolutely. I think also... If I heard that then, or even like a year back in time from then, I would have maybe like rolled my eyes and been like, yeah, maybe for someone else or whatever. But like, it really is true. Like, I think what it takes is having that community, which I've always been fortunate to have, but also have worked really hard to have. And I think that is a huge benefit a huge strength especially of women of color is we always have our circles right like we always have our circles of people around us because that is a huge value for so many of us to have that sense of community so for me I didn't yet know the the support that was coming my way but opening myself up to that opportunity is what allowed that support to really show itself Oh, I love that. (laughs) And talking about community, um, I think this is a perfect segue to talk a little bit about networking. Could you share with everybody the importance of networking and how, how do you do it now in these, you know, crazy times? Oh my gosh. I'm going to go off on like a whole sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So networking has always been something that I knew was very important. Like I said, that that strength of having that circle of people, and it's not always the same circle, right? Like we have like our work circles, our personal circles, our whatever. Um, but even when I was looking for a job, when I was when I was working my last job, that's what I was doing all the time was networking. And even though those didn't necessarily end up in the job that like I thought I was going to get, like just doing that work of putting myself out there became this like meditation on my own worthiness because I had to get out there and say, Hey everyone, I'm capable of doing X, Y, Z and I deserve ABC. Do you know anyone that can help me do that? Or are you someone that can help me do that? So 
first and foremost, like, yeah, it's important, but like the, I got so much more out of it than I thought I was going to. And nowadays I think it, um, it just serves you in so many ways that you can't even imagine. Like I said, when I left my job, I had this community to fall back on. And so anything I do is not just me doing it. It's me and my community doing it. And that is so much more powerful than anything, anything I could ever do with any amount of resources. Like even if I was a million bajillionaire, I don't think I could do the stuff (laughs) that I do with the community that I have. Like it's incredible to me. Yes. And, and also you are creating a community as well because you create, you are focused on women of color. And I think that's very, you know, it's wonderful that you, this is how you started and you're also creating a space. And yeah, yeah, actually at this moment, while we are recording, um, (laughs) this will be in the past for whoever is listening. So while we are recording, you are still crowdfunding actually right now, a storytelling panel. Yes. Of women of color. Yes. And I, lo- I can't wait. I mean, we're like a week away, but again, this will be in the past <laughs> um, when this goes live. Uh, so could you tell us more about the panel uh, and you know, why you created this panel? What is the mission behind it? And then we'll go into uh, how, why did you choose crowdfunding? Sure. So um, as you said, it's a crowdfunding campaign. The, the campaign itself um, was really actually born out of, not, I don't want to say the moment in time, but kind of the, um, the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement. Really, it, it prompted me to check myself a little extra and to take um, stock of my resources and say, what can I do in this moment to really help this movement? Like also outside of being a person, I am now a business. And how can I, in the bigger sphere of acting as a business, because if we're recognizing like structures and systems of oppression, a business has more say than a person. So how can I use that privilege of having a business to do some good in this kind of anti-racist movement? And I was thinking about it and I said, you know, I've always said marketing is about storytelling. What if I diversified the storytelling that goes on within my own sphere? And so that meant bringing more stories forward and having greater representation. So the mission of these panels is we feature only women of color as panelists. And the mission is to diversify entrepreneurial representation so I put out a call and I said, hey, anybody that's interested, um, I'm going to be putting together these panels. Originally, I talked about them as like a diversity, equity, inclusion kind of thing. But honestly, I think I, even through my own learning, like it was like in real time, I learned, I think that's more of like a corporate strategy. And so I kind of shy away from that language now and just say, it's really just about bringing forward more representation of women of color. Because if we're going to live in an anti-racist society, women of color need to have more representation than just being advocates for diversity. We need to have representation where we're thriving, where we're experts and we can show up as the experts that we are. So each panel has a different theme. These two that will have already happened to whenever someone is listening to this, um, there's going to be women of color in business. And that was just like a more general entrepreneurial um, take on their own business And then um, the other one is women of color in healing. 
And both of those are just really powerful um, examples of what, what women of color look like, what our experiences are like, even how diverse our own experiences are from each other. And I really aim to capture also just an upbringing and a background. So we have, um, we have like psychotherapists, we have life coaches, we have um, pastor, a pastor, we have um, people from the UK, we have people from the US, we have a podcaster, we have, you know, it's like a little bit of everything to have better representation of what real people are really like. Oh my God, it's going to be so powerful. I can't wait. And once this airs, people will be able to watch it, watch the replay. Yes. So if you make a contribution, I'm just going to leave this open for the podcast listeners here. Um, I feel like it would be unfair for me to tell you about all of this and then you can't enjoy it. (laughs) So if you do make a contribution to the page, then I will send you the um, recorded replay of those panels according to whatever contribution you make. So the model for the contributions is actually pay what you can. The suggested donation is $97 per uh, panel, but you can give as little as $5 per ticket because we just, we wanted it to be as accessible as possible. We really, it's more about the message than it is about the money. We do want to make the money to be able to pay our panelists fairly because I didn't want to exploit that and exploit people's stories. I want to set an example of valuing people's stories and that emotional labor that goes into telling your story. Um, and you're ensuring your expertise and wisdom, but it is uh, pay what you can so that we can just have as many people as possible enjoy these panels. I love that. I love that you are, you know, you're taking an account that not everybody can afford um, more than $90 ticket. But is, I'm curious, is that why you went with crowdfunding? Yes and no. Like there's a, there was a bunch of reasons why I chose crowdfunding. One, like I said, I'm just... I'm just someone that likes to try new things and I just kind of go off the rails a bit with my ideas. So I was like, (laughs) this is something I haven't done before. That's exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. One, that. Um, Two, I did want it to have, I definitely knew I wanted it to be a pay what you can model. And I didn't want to deal with setting up any like portal or like figuring out pricing or whatever. So I was like, let's just make it kind of like a donation-based feel to it. But lastly, it is actually also a marketing strategy because talking about this, it shares, it's more than just like buy this ticket and you get this thing. It's about this whole message of like, you pay what you can because we want you to, we want more people to participate because accessibility is important, but also pay what you can, what you can, because we pay women of color what they're worth. And I really like that that message was, integrated into all of the marketing of this and that crowdfunding campaign really helped to share the message more because it it became more than just the ticket sales it's like it's bigger than that it's part of this kind of revolutionary vision for what the future looks like and it felt very community-based it felt very um community motivated because you watch the total go up together you see the number of funders together and i just really liked all of those components it felt very um very much in line with what I value. Oh, I love that. And I just, I can't wait. And I love that you're paying everybody, you know, that fact that you're actually, that's why the tickets are, are what they are because you're paying them what they are worth. So I love that. And I hope that people uh, that are listening support that. So please watch the replay. 
<laughs> and talking about money, uh, one of my favorite topics, money, money, money. <laughs> so uh, could you share with uh, the listeners just the type of income streams that you have at this moment? And are you adding, you know, some in the near future? Yeah. So um, I recently got the advice, and I think this is really good for anyone that's getting started in business right now. And so if you're going to start a business, I heard this advice that uh, a good business offers a product, a service, and an education component, however that means for you. Um, and so I've really been working on building that out in my own business. And so... Um, I'm still in the process because I'm only one person. So. Solopreneur. <laughs> yeah. Solopreneur <laughs> life is real. Um, yeah. That's a huge lesson that I've learned through this. It's just like everything happens in its own time. And when you try to rush it, you're, you're the only thing that's rushing. So like no, nothing naturally rushes except for humans. So anyways, my revenue streams right now, I have a passive income stream from a workbook that I have on sales mindset. I have um, mostly services though that are like active sales that I'm generating mostly online through social media. And then I just restructured my offering actually. So there's several different kinds of services and different price points. And then eventually I'll be building out... Um, I'm really working on like a an evergreen course that I can just be running because I'm going to be talking about this a lot more on my social media, uh, in the near future. But I just think there's this huge culture within entrepreneur spheres. And it's like this grind culture, this, this, this hustle culture, this, um, launch all the time culture. And I'm just like, I am tired. Like, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to be launching every month. Like that just doesn't work for me. And because it doesn't work for me, that doesn't work for my business. So yes, um, really trying to make my content more evergreen and provide a way for people to join at different price points is my focus as of right now. One thing at a time, though. <laughs> yes, one thing. That, yes, thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Yes, it can be done. And I love what you said that it's only humans rush. You know, some of us just have like so many ideas and it's okay to just put them all in a notebook, you know, get it out of your system, talk about it if you want, but slow down. You know, we need yeah. to slow down. It is very crazy um, how the hustle was a thing, you know, it was glorified. And now yeah. I think this pandemic has helped for people to just say, so, you know, sit down and, and enjoy being chill, enjoy mm -hmm. being slow. Yeah. And, and just, it's, I, I love what you're doing and oh, I can't wait for your course. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. So yes, I love what you said, like, don't be launching, you know, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like that's, and that advice, something about not rushing has been a piece of advice I've given so many people just over the past like month. Like when you really think about it, you think about nature, you think about the world and how it operates and only we rush. Like, and it's because we've put these expectations on ourselves that just don't make sense naturally with what we want to do, with what our bodies want to do, with what our minds want to do. And it puts us in this state of like survival. And how do you 
how do you think that you're going to really like imagine something or build something when you're in a state of survival? That just doesn't make sense. So being able to carve out the time to really just rest and take care of yourself and get into that sense of, you know, like everything's okay. Everything happens in its own time. It's really helped me to build out a lot of the elements of my own business and to find that security and what my business is, but also knowing it will be things. It just doesn't have to be them right now. Perfect. Well, this has been wonderful, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. I so enjoyed this. Yes. Thank you again for sharing all the tips with our listeners. There are so many gems in this and it was a pleasure. But before we go, can you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yes, of course. So my website is wokespacemarketing.com, W-O-C-S-P-A-C-E, marketing.com. My Instagram is just wokespace, W-O-C-S-P-A-C-E. And I'm on Facebook. You can find me. um, I hang out mostly in my Facebook group, Wokespace Community. Yes, please join that. And yes, thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you again for all you do for women of color. I appreciate you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for staying until the end of this conversation. If you love this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. A little help goes a long way. To check out the show notes, visit the website fentmedia.co. A big thank you to Concrete Sounds for doing the editing and sound design for this podcast. Visit their website at concretesounds.com. Remember to share the episode with a friend. And thank you again. I appreciate you. I'm Diana Lopez, your host, and I'll see you on the next episode.